AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. This felt like one of those days. The market's got some good news in the form of a still inflationary CPI report. The dollar absolutely tanked. Equities exploded to the upside. And the grain markets couldn't rally with the stocks or rally on the lower dollar. That left the path of least resistance to the downside. Live from Protestant Progenitor Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Rick Brock from the Brock Report. Right after the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Okay, I usually have a clue what you're talking about. I'm. Yeah. I'm I, this is what? Protestant Progenitor Day. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Born November 10, 1483 in Eiselbahn, Germany. Okay. Yeah? Nothing? Um, well, I've got an idea, but go ahead. Help the me out. Theologian and religious reformer who was the catalyst of the 16th century Protestant Reformation, born this day in 1483, Martin Luther. Martin Luther. For a yep. shout out to all the Protestants out there. Well, there huh? you go. There ah. you go. All right. All right. Welcome to AgriTalk. Ah, there you go. You. Doesn't matter your religious affiliation. It absolutely Welcome. does not. No. We are 100% glad that you are here. What a day, dude. The dollar almost 2,300 points lower, yeah. down just above 108 on the dollar index. Yep. Dow up 3.3%. That is almost 1,100 points, man. 1,100 points. S&P up 4.8%. The NASDAQ up 6.3%. That's like, mm -hmm. what would that be? That's like 650 points. Yeah. Um, the rate on the 10 year note down a quarter of a point. Gold up 2.5%. And beans like 30 cents lower. Yeah. Corn a dime lower. Wheat mm. eh, lower. Not decided not really to to do a whole lot today for, for the, the end of the day. But it's just kind of a crazy day. And I know that it's got something to do with what this means for the future activity by the Federal Reserve. We'll talk to Rick about that. Rick Brock, the Brock Report. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Whenever days are crazy like this, it's good to have somebody with a lot of experience in these markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll we'll tap into that from Rick today. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Yeah. Let's get to the news. What do you got? Chip export sales of wheat in the weekend of November 3 of 323,000 metric tons were at the low end of trade expectations. Unknown destinations topped the list of buyers with South Korea, Japan, Thailand, and Spain also on the list. December soft red wheat futures traded below eight bucks for the first time since September 2nd, but recovered to close just above that pivotal level. USDA on Wednesday cut the Argentine wheat crop 2 million metric tons to 15.5 million. Today, the Rosario Grain Exchange slashed 1.9 million tons off its RG wheat crop estimate, dropping it to just 11.8 million metric tons. December HRW wheat futures today, four and three quarters cents lower, 925 and a quarter. December soft red wheat down three cents, 803 and one half. 
December spring wheat closed at 9.31 and one half, down six and three quarter cents. Yeah, trade is definitely of the opinion that USDA is chasing this Argentine wheat crop estimate to the downside. But I, unless demand starts to show up here in the United States, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Mm. Well, corn export sales in the weekend of November 3 were below trade expectations and totaled just 265,000 metric tons. Mexico easily topped the list of buyers. After the sales update, U.S. corn export commitments are 54.1% behind last year's pace. That compares to USDA's estimate that corn exports will fall just 13% from last year. December corn futures opened steady and tried to rally, but turned lower and drifted to a session low close, and the lowest close since August 25. December corn futures 11 and one quarter cents lower, 653 and one quarter. March corn down 11 cents, 659 and one half. July corn futures closed at 655 and one quarter, down 10 and three quarter cents. Chip. Yeah, you know, I, I think if we're looking for any market that is following that path of least resistance, I think it probably is the corn market because we've fallen through the bottom of that sideways trading range. We we talked about it earlier this week, how the market seemed to be building some of that downside momentum. Mm-hmm. And even after we get this lower-than-expected uh, carryover estimate from USDA, yeah, it was up 10 million bushels, still 25 million bushels below the average pre-report trade guess, but it just can't find its footing in here. So a lot of technical selling happening in this corn market right now. Soybean export sales of 795,000 metric tons in line with trade expectations, but that did nothing to support prices. China topped the list of buyers, which included Japan, Mexico, the Netherlands, and Turkey. The forecast calling for waves of rain over the next five days in Argentina weighed on bean and meal prices, while bean oil was higher on support from gains in crude oil. January bean futures opened steady and pushed through resistance at yesterday's high before falling through and closing below yesterday's low to post a downside reversal. January beans 29 cents lower, 14.23. March beans plunged 29 and one quarter, 14.28. July soybeans closed at 14.35 and three quarters, down 29 cents today. Okay, so I'm guessing that because of, you know, some might be saying, how are we cutting into the wheat crop when we've got these rains coming? It's just too late for the wheat crop, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And and if we can get some rain on the beans, it is definitely in time, definitely in time to help that bean crop. Well, quickly, export sales of nearly 146,000 bales of cotton in the weekend of November 3 were good enough to prevent a sell-off December cotton. 12 ticks lower, 8638. Eight. Have we got Oliver? No, not get... yet. Not yet? No Oliver yep. yet? Give it, Let's give it to proceed. Us. December live cattle futures opened higher and fell back to spike support at yesterday's low by one tick, then rallied to close above yesterday's high to post an upside reversal. December cattle were a buck fifty higher but one fifty three oh seven and one half. January feeders two oh five higher, one eighty one seventy. And finally, lean hog trade was inactive with the December contract on both sides of 85 bucks for a fourth consecutive session yep. chip. December hogs 40 cents lower, 84, 87 and one half. All right, we've got him now. Let's get him in here. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Hey, Oliver, how you doing, buddy? Unmute, Oliver, unmute. <laughs> unmute, okay. All right, all right. I, there he is. <laughs> 
I apologize. The time change, and then I had a, a, a baby delivered on Monday. I don't know what Whoa. time of day or day it is. Excuses, My gosh, excuses. Oliver. Congratulations, buddy. I mean, it, thank you. It, it turns the world upside down for a little while, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, an understatement. But hey, it's uh, only for like eighteen years or so. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Take thirty seconds and tell me about today's cattle trade. What'd you like? Uh, cattle. I'm I'm still pretty optimistic uh, that we can go revisit those recent highs. The cash market really hasn't been, uh, you know, setting any fires here recently. And I was a little bit disappointed out of the gate in the way the outside markets were trading. I thought live cattle would get uh, quite a bit more oomph behind them. They weren't able to do that. But I, all in all, you know, there hasn't been any technical damage, and I think the fundamentals remain strong longer term. And if we get out above 154 and these outside markets continue to firm up uh, even fractionally of what they did today, I, I think this market's got some upward uh, mobility for sure. Good, 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 good. Oliver, that's great news, buddy. Congratulations. God bless you. God bless that family. And uh, you've got years of wonder coming your way, bud. Appreciate it, Chip. Congrats. All right, that's Oliver Slope. Congrats to him. We've got Rick Brock up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Gutted the deer with one hand and held my purse with the other. Bro. That's how I remember it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Too funny. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip. That is Davis. Oh. Uh, my goodness, what a crazy, crazy day in these markets. Let's get right mm -hmm. to the conversation with today's guest analyst, Rick Brock, the Brock Report. Rick, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, actually. I'm, uh, if everybody's watching the weather and the major storms going through Florida yeah. right now, I'm, I'm at our Florida office right now. I'll be back in the Midwest uh, come this weekend, but we're right on the uh, western edge of, of the storm. It's raining here right now, but not heavy. And uh, we're not, we're going to avoid everything, but it's uh, been interesting watching another major uh, weather front come through yeah. the entire state of Florida and uh, Winter Haven, right? Very, well, we're in, in Destin, Florida. Okay, Destin. Okay, gotcha. 
Gotcha. That's right. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it's, I, I mean, this, it, it looks like a hurricane blowing on storm. I know that it's just just a tropical storm, but boy, what a massive storm that is rolling across Florida and into the, the Southeast right now. So yeah. stay safe down there. And hopefully, hopefully the power stays on long enough for us to get through this, uh, through the conversation here, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I listened to your er, earlier comments. You're right. This is a crazy day, but it, it's not just been a crazy day. It's been a crazy 12 months. Uh, I mean, these markets, all of them, grains, livestock, there's not been really any major trends and they've been uh, extremely difficult for, for traders. Uh, if you look at the commitment of traders report, it's amazing how many people have just pulled out of these markets, yeah. particularly soybeans. I mean, there's just no one playing anymore and the volume is way down and, uh, you know, it's not good for anything long term. And uh, normally, you know, if if you're going to have a bull market, you need participants to help push it up. And right now we don't have those uh, participants. So uh, I think there are a lot of flashing lights. Uh, If I could start out, uh, uh, Chip, uh, discussing it. One graph I sent you earlier today, unfortunately. Absolutely. It's uh, you know, put together by Iowa State, and, and we massage this a little bit, but basically it's, it's we talk about cycles and everything. We always talk about cycles and the price of soybeans, the price of corn, et cetera. But there's also a profit cycle uh, in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, counting this year's crop uh, based on Iowa State numbers, we'll now have uh, six years of profits in a row. Uh, for corn producers in Iowa. Now, and that excludes any kind of government payment, and it also excludes uh, uh, payments for for crop insurance. So they're just looking at, you know, the input costs uh, and the selling costs, and it doesn't even include land costs. So, you know, you're just looking at variable costs in and variable costs out and excluding everything else. And I can tell you, this is the longest profit period uh, for corn producers in Iowa in history. And uh, normally they're about three or four years. Uh, there was a period back uh, from 2006 to 2012 that the uh, farmers were profitable every year except 09. But if you throw in government payments that year, that, that they would have made money then uh, as well. So I, I think it's a cautionary light because, you know, as the old saying goes, if you keep the price of anything too high, too long, someone finds a way to grow more of it or use less of it. And yeah. and I think that's happening in corn. And you talk about what happened today. You know, every every trend system in corn that you can find is short corn now. Uh, you have to be short the corn market. Uh, it's made a distribution top. Uh, forget the fundamentals, forget inflation and the, and the theory that, well, because inflation has got to go up. No, it doesn't got to do anything. Uh, markets fall uh, due to their own weight. And I, I just tell you, with the, and we're still getting extremely good opportunities here. And a lot of us have been lulled to sleep because even as the futures have gone down, the basis has continued to firm. And so when a, a, a producer looks at his um, local cash price quoted in the elevator, mm-hmm. it still looks pretty good. But all of a sudden, I think we're going to wake up one day and that basis is going to start to soften. And then yep. people are going to realize the futures has gotten away and then it's going to be too late. And, uh, you know, I, I think people need to be taking uh, very aggressive action okay. in these markets okay. right now. OK, a couple of things uh, in reaction to what you what you've said, Rick, the participation that we're seeing in the market, you mentioned it. It's very low right now. It, it reminds me more of what we would see 
in a persistently low price environment, not for six fifty corn, not for fourteen dollar beans. Correct? That that is correct. And you know, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. And again, you know, the, the emphasis has, has gone to the cash market, not the future yep. market. And and the other thing is very, very unusual about this market. And and uh, you can look at it on, on, on basis maps. The strong basis is in the Western Corn Belt, not in the Eastern Corn Belt. That's never been the case in history. Uh, you know, you get into Ohio and say even Western New York, you normally have really strong bases. The bases in Western New York right now is 45 under the board. Normally they're 50 cents to a dollar over the board. Okay. And yet then you take a look at you know, say Blair, Nebraska, where there's a big ethanol plant, and and all of a sudden you've got very strong basis levels in Iowa, uh, in Nebraska, Minnesota, and South Dakota, and a lot of it's due to expansion in the livestock industry, and uh, and expansion in, in ethanol. So we're, we're seeing a, a huge change, huge shift right now, uh, and okay. where the corn demand is, and so you know the corn demand has gone to where the corn is, and it. it those are kind of changes that take place over time. They don't just happen overnight. And and now it's working to the benefit uh, of Western Corn Belt farmers. And and of course, then all of those profits get built into a uh, bit into the dirt market real quick. And as we all know, you go in the coffee shop, that's what most everybody wants to talk about now is the price, price of farmland. But you know, to me, Chip, I, I think it's all scary. When everybody gets bullish, when everybody gets on one side of the ship, the ship uh, has a tendency yeah. to want to tip. And so, yep. I, I just, okay. you know, I know people don't want to hear that, but I think it's time to be very careful. Well, we got to talk about what this market looks like on the other side of this sideways, you know, this this drawn out top, if that's what it is. We've got to talk about that for sure. You said that you have to be short the corn market. Does that apply? You can't go short the cash. Well, unless you're an end user. Um, right. But as a as a as a producer. Do you want to be holding any cash corn? You know, we are. Uh, I don't frankly think it's a real good idea, but, you know, uh, we, we never get 100% sold in, on, a, on a corn crop by, by yeah. November. Uh, but we are 70% sold, and we are uh, hedged on another 15% uh, in the futures market and options. So we're 80 85% price. That's pretty heavy. And we're 20% priced on the new crop corn already. And okay, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people haven't even thought about it. And I think we're too light there. But, uh, you know, the seasonality of this market, the majority of tops in a corn market occur in the month of September. That's the biggest month for tops. Of course, most of us don't have any corn to sell in September. Uh, but that's when the top, you look at a cash corn chart, uh, say central Illinois, that's when the top has occurred. Uh, it occurred yeah. in mid-September. And uh, now it's softening off because of, of the basis and future side. But, you know, I, I'll never forget, too, in, in college one time, a professor said, you know, he says, just remember, pigs don't eat as much corn at six fifty as they do at four dollars. And I mean, it makes no sense. But if you look at past times when corn markets got high, feed usage declines. Uh, 
And uh, as I think as Joe mentioned earlier, export commitments thus far this year are down 54%. Uh, that's, that's very startling. Uh, China has not been in the market, but on the good side there, China normally doesn't get real aggressive in the market until February. Uh, that's the time frame when they've historically done most of their buying. But nevertheless, they're way behind right now where they normally are on buying. And so right. we're, we're being hit with uh, you know, basically weaker demand, both in the export market and the usage market in corn. And, and that's what this market is now reflecting. Okay. We, I got, I got to watch my time here because I know we're coming up on a break. But I, I'm going to ask you the question: What gets that eastern basis to firm? Well, right now, a lot of corn has come in from Ontario, and, and that's the one thing that softened it because they have a good crop in Canada. And uh, you know, the, the eastern basis is primarily for pork and poultry demand. And uh, the other thing is hurt some of the demand in, in that area of the country is last year they had a huge problem with aflatoxin. And of course, you're not going to be able to put that in animal feed. And so they've been waiting on this year's corn crop to come in to blend it with some of the carryover okay. last year. So we ended up carrying over more corn in the eastern corn belt than, than I can ever remember being carried over. So I, I don't think that base is going to firm. But it's not going to be like it has been historically because we just don't have a shortage of corn out there right now. Okay, so if I'm asking what's going to get the eastern basis to firm at the end of this segment, you know where we're going to start at uh, the start of the next segment, Rick. And that is what are the threats to the western corn basis? We're going to talk about that with Rick Brock from the Brock Report next right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. If the Rosario Grains Exchange's most recent forecast realizes Argentina's wheat crop would be the smallest since 2015-16. India's government says it may consider offloading state wheat stocks in the market to reduce prices. EPA sent its proposed levels under the RFS for 2023 and beyond to the Office of Management and Budget. Control of the U.S. Senate is down to three races in Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada, with each party needing to win two of those states to secure a majority. The Biden administration will propose a rule today to make companies with at least $7.5 million in annual federal contracts set targets to limit emissions. And France's Ag Ministry has put the country on high alert for bird flu. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more of a try, profarmer.com. 
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking! So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Another wild day in the markets, which makes it pretty typical of the last 365 that we've had to deal with, <laughs> according to today's right? guest. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Rick Brock, the Brock Report, is our guest analyst today. We'll get back to the conversation with Rick right after Davis recaps where the market's closed. Chip, December hard red winter wheat futures were four and three quarter cents lower, nine twenty five and one quarter. December SRW wheat down three cents, eight oh three and one half. December corn futures eleven and one quarter cents lower, six fifty three and one quarter. July corn futures closed at six fifty five and one quarter, down ten and three quarter cents. January soybean futures twenty nine cents lower, fourteen twenty three. July soybeans closed at 14.35 and three quarters. That's down 29 today. December cotton, 12 points lower, 86.38. Livestocks, December cattle a buck 50 higher, 153.07 and one half. January feeders, $2.05 higher at 181.70. And December lean hog futures were 40 cents lower, 84.87 and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back over to you, Chip. All right. Thanks, Davis. Okay. I'm curious about something, Rick. Rick Brock, the Brock Report. And this is getting away from the ags here for just a second, but I'm curious. Do you follow what's going on in the cryptocurrencies at all? No, just thankful that I'm not involved in them. Yeah. You know, I've never have understood it, to be honest with you, Chip, why anybody wants to do it. And you take a look at it now, and most everybody is involved in it has lost quite a bit of money. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was something that, you know, I never wanted to be involved with. And uh, I've watched, you know, you, re- you read the front page of today's Wall Street and, and the one company that got in a lot of trouble and uh, just passed up on a buyout. But I, I just it's not not anything that I see is going to work long term. Uh, and, yeah. you know, so I just I just really don't pay any attention to it. But I know a lot of younger farmers do. And right. but I don't think it's probably worked out very well. Yeah. You know, obviously, I saw the headlines on, you know, from the crypto uh, world today as well. I was just going to try to get your take on it, but I'm not even going to ask for it. I mean, that's a good enough take on it because I feel the same way. I can't turn a, I can't turn a Bitcoin into a potato. So right. I, I don't know what that means for me. Well, so, you know, I, I just take the approach. There are a lot of things in the world to worry about, and that's not one of them. <laughs> right. So I just, good. I just stay away from it and excellent uh, yeah excellent. it's just the, the the whole the whole world is a very crazy place right now and you know and we never neither one of us have even mentioned the word politics and so you know i mean it's just it's just insane uh, some of the things that are happening and hopefully we we get back to more sane times here in the next uh, next few months but you know 95 percent of us we just worry about the price of corn and soybeans and wheat and cotton and pigs and and uh and beef and uh that's enough on on most of our plates and uh <laughs> that's it's right just, it's just been totally crazy and the opportunities have been unbelievable but before we went to break i, I know you were yeah. going to come back to you know what's going to change the bases in the western corn belt right and frankly 
frankly, I don't think it's going to change a lot here in the near term uh, because the, the demand pull is still outpacing uh, the, the, the rate at which farmers are wanting to let loose of the corn. And so it's very hard pulling the corn off the farm. Corn's out there, but, uh, but farmers don't need the money right now. And that's uh, the thing that's really helping support the basis too. And, you know, people don't want uh, the income, they don't want to pay the taxes on it. And of course, most buyers will defer the income uh, uh, until next year if a farmer wants to sell it. But also producers are getting some just incredible once in a while basis opportunities. Uh, for example, one of uh, our clients called me on Monday and uh, it's a central Nebraska white corn and uh, his local elevator was running, uh, loading a, a unit train with white corn and he needed it. And of course that created a, a tremendous opportunity short term for this uh, producer who happened to have uh, many thousands of bushels of white corn. And, uh, and so, you know, those but are that was a double digit commodity. It, it worked out very well. And I think those are the kind of things that people have got to be looking for here. But then once we get closer to the first of the year and uh, and we get okay. a little closer handle to what corn acres are going to do, uh, then uh, we will uh, likely see the basis start to soften. But uh, I don't really anticipate uh, much softening. It may start mid-December, late December, uh, but really not until we get after the first year, we'll start seeing it slip. Uh, but I don't think we're going to go back to where we were. I mean, who would okay. ever thought, I'm looking at a basis uh, screen right now, uh, you know, Cedar Rapids, Iowa is, is, is 2,500. That's not totally abnormal at all. But right. you have Fort Dodge, Iowa at 50 over. And, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, clearly uh, ethanol demand in there. And so you get close to where there's some big livestock operations along with ethanol plants. And you've got a lot of demand pull on, on that corn. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I think a producer really should be taking advantage of it because it's, it won't last forever. It never does. Uh, but I, I do think they've got some time on their hands before they do it. But, you know, they need to keep an eye on the futures market here, too, because one of these days, uh, within the next three months, we're going to wake up and say, okay, the base is now starting to slip, but look where the futures is. Now I can't do anything. So, right. you know, it right. it's a, takes two decisions. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on soybeans in here, Rick? Well, I think the, it's, I think the top is in, uh, but I don't really believe they're going to collapse. I, I mean, I'm not as, as bearish on, on, on the bean market. Uh, obviously, today was a, a very negative day and uh, as Joe pointed out, it was a key reversal down in old, old crop beans. Uh, we're heavily sold in beans. We were, well, 60%, I think that's pretty heavy for right now. And I, I like that level because when you're taking a look at uh, uh, soybean prices, January beans uh, today, say 14.25, I mean, those are still really high priced beans and still profitable beans. You know, a lot of people are, are of the opinion of course, uh, renewable diesel is a driving force. That's a long-term demand, and it's being more offset right now by a sharp increase in production in Brazil, which is going through the roof. And, and so there's not going to be a shortage of beans, but bean supplies still historically are relatively tight. And so, you know, there, I don't 
think we're going to drop sharply here uh, because okay. we're, we're going to have a fight for acres this spring. Uh, okay. Some farmers are already, you know, taking the stance say, well, if we don't start getting some more rain, you know, we're going to plant less corn and plant more beans. Uh, the time will tell, but, you know, most producers in the Midwest still would prefer to plant corn and uh, it, rather than beans. And so, you know, we'll see how the seed sales go here in the next uh, uh, few weeks. But uh, right now, I, I, I don't think we're going to see a big shift, but but there are a lot of producers of that opinion that if it doesn't start raining, they're going to lean towards more uh, more beans. And then that, of course, would would, would be relatively negative. negative. But I, gotcha. I think right now you look at this from a farm management point of view, uh, beans at $14 and higher are very, very profitable. And, uh, you know, I, my bias is to let someone own at least half of them. Okay. All right. That's pretty uh... – <laughs> that sums it up pretty good right there. Um, the, pre- the period of profitability on corn, the period of profitability on soybeans. It, it, I mean, when, when, when you see what's going on there and you look at your inputs on, on 23 crop, is there any reason to expect that they're going to get cheaper than what they are today? When you say cheaper, you're talking about the price of corn and beans or the price of inputs? The price of inputs. Oh, no, I, I don't think they are. I, I think you, you take a look at ag chemicals, for example. Um, you know, I forget what percent of it is still comes from China, but it's pretty high. I'm, I'm thinking 60 percent. Uh, I'm sure some listeners have a better handle on that than I do. And uh, the ones we work with are, are concerned about getting that supply uh, for this spring. And so, you know, we're not going to see any uh, any. Um, uh, help, I don't think, in, in the price of our inputs this spring. And that's what could result in this profitability chart starting to turn south. Maybe right. we, maybe we just, our inputs just outpace uh, the the cost of the goods that we're selling. And I, I think that that spread is going to come in. And, uh, and even uh, fertilizer, you know, I, I'm, I don't think fertilizer is going up a lot, uh, but near term is not going to go down either. But, right. but the energy market's acting uh, toppy. But you can't predict energy prices in here because it's all based uh, on on wars and, and world politics, and right. you know nobody can predict that. And so uh, our input prices are going to stay high going into spring, and that's going to put some some pressure on our, on our profits. And uh, which is why, you know, we know we're going to pay in a lot for inputs and and, and equipment costs are, are up uh, considerably. And yep. if uh, a producer is borrowing money uh, to put the crop out, uh, yep. needless to say, uh, the interest payments this year for the first year and in, in, in 10 uh, are, are going to be higher than we've seen in a long time. Yep, absolutely. What's all that mean for land prices? Well, a lot of I don't think it means anything negative because a lot of this land's been paid for with cash or it's been paid for by levering, leveraging land that the producers have previously yeah. owned for a long time. And so the debt levels percent of the asset value is still very, very low. And, uh, and land is a long term asset. It's not like trading corn, OK, which is a short term asset. Uh, and so, you know, I, I and, and, and as everyone knows, is listening to this, the number of land auctions taking place this month is is incredible. I don't care what state you're in the Midwest, you know, whether it be Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, there are a lot of land auctions taking place, a lot of equipment auctions taking place as well. And uh, and, the, and the sales are just incredibly strong. 
And so, you know, not everybody's looking at the price of cash corn, not looking at the futures prices, looking at the money that's in the bank. And so, you know, you still have to be bullish to the land market right now, although the, the, the returns this coming year, they're not going to be, in my opinion, anywhere as, as high as they were the last two years. Gotcha. Rick, I always enjoy these conversations. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Chip, Chip good talking to you. Have a, have a good week. You too. You too. That is Rick Brock, the Brock Report. All right. Davis and I need to put a wrap on things. We'll do that when AgriTalk returns. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Right? AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. I'd say that's an astute observation, Chip. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Davis Michelson with you here. Just having a chat off air with, with Chip. Um, yeah. I got an email. You want me to give him the do you, email? Do you want to get into that? Sure. Let's let's wade out into these waters. What the heck? Go ahead. What the heck? Okay. So we I I asked Rick Brock the Brock Report um, if he had a take on what's going on in the crypto markets, the cryptocurrency markets, and the email uh, that we got today. I mean, it's perfect. Crypto. It's like trading corn without the corn. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So how do you determine value, Davis? Well, I I guess like anything else, whatever the next guy's willing to pay. Right. Is that the idea? <laughs> That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And if the next guy all of a sudden gets scared and mm-hmm. isn't there, well then if there's nobody there to 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 pay for it, well then it's worth less. Not worthless, but worth less. Mm-hmm. Um you have to you have to find that low, I guess. And when the crypto, I don't even, Bitcoin, I don't remember what the high was, but I, it was north of $60,000 a Bitcoin. And I see that it is, quote unquote, sharply higher today and like it's 17000 something like Oof. that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you bought it at 60, 17 hurts. Yeah, that hurts bad. Oh. Um, if If we're on this road, let's just speculate a little bit. Is it? 
because people who are into it seem like they're really into it. Like, yeah. like they're they're promoters of it. Like, oh yeah, this oh, is the absolutely. future. It, it can't. It's gold, baby. It's gold. Yep. It can't fail. It's not gonna fail. This is just what it is because it can't fail. Why can't it fail? Because it can't fail. Are yep. these are these people because of blockchain? Are these people? Yeah. Are they are they looking ahead perhaps to um, the potential of a digital currency one day? No, I I don't think is, so. Is that in their heads when they're thinking no, about this? No, no, is I don't. I don't think so. No, no. It, it, listen, I can send you five dollars right now on Venmo. How is right. that not a digital currency? Right. How long have we had Mastercard, Visa, American right. Express, digital currency? The currency yeah. is digital. Yeah, true, true. So Bitcoin is not making this, or or any of the cryptocurrencies. They're not called digital currencies. They're called cryptocurrencies, which kind of freaks me out to begin with. You know, tales from the crypt and all that kind of stuff on Saturday Ooh, yeah. nights for yeah. creature feet. What, what was it? Creature feature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, that yeah, the crypt monster kind of freaked me out. So, anyway, so these these cryptocurrencies, it's like I kind of half-heartedly joked with Rick. I can't turn a Bitcoin into a potato, so therefore I don't know how to assign value to it. You can't, yeah. as far as I understand, you can't really turn it into anything of of material or nutritional or whatever value. Um, you know, into things that that help you. Mm -hmm. Now you can turn it into other digital stuff. You can turn mm -hmm. it into Geez, what's it? What what are those things called? Um, I, I'm not going to come up with it right now, uh, but you can buy art, digital art. You can buy digital this. You can buy digital that. But what's the value of that? Right. I, I think people are starting to figure out that. Well, it it may have been a bit of a a I. The thing that really freaks me out about crypto is that. The analysts that claim to really, really 100% understand the crypto markets will tell you that they cannot fail. Mm -hmm. That they cannot fail. Um, and I just don't agree. I, I, I do not agree. Yeah. Uh, it, they, they will also tell you that the setback from 60 to 17,400 and some, it was just on a, on a screen that I was looking at, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that this is just a setback and you, you cannot change the future of the crypto market because it is higher. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What? Yeah. And it's because of math. Is is what they'll argue, and, and blockchain, and and so on. I just I I don't know. I I've never been able to like Rick said. I've I've never been able to understand it. Yeah. So, I uh, just just for fun, I opened up my uh, personal Amazon account here and went to my uh, payment methods. Okay. Uh, you can do Venmo, you can do credit or debit cards, you can do an Amazon store card, you can do a personal checking account. They even take EBT. But yep. you can't turn crypto into right. a t-shirt from Amazon. Right, right. There you go. Nope, nope. There you go. Uh, yeah. Rick Brock, 
Brock report. You know, and his comment was, you're like, Rick, what do you got on the, the crypto stuff? Rick's comment, I'm thankful I'm not involved with crypto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, um, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not either. Yeah, and- nor am I. Right, right. I mean, it, it I don't feels think like something I should say every. Miss, feels like yeah. something I should say every day. I don't trade commodities either. Yeah. No. <laughs> nor do I. Nor do I. Right. Right. So, uh, just something that we have to watch, dude. I'm going to take tomorrow off. I don't oh. know if I told you. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. Heck All yeah. right. You're going to do what? Right. I, I'm going to take tomorrow off, Joe. Well, if Big you're, you're going to do that, I'll yeah, I'll see your day off, and I will raise you a Friday free for all. And an afternoon with Brian Split. How's that sound? That's right. Huh? That's right. So I'm not going to get an opportunity to do this tomorrow, so I will do it today. Oh. You mentioned that today is the Marine Corps birthday. I did uh, this morning, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, tomorrow's Veterans Day. And to all the veterans out there, boy, a heartfelt thank you for everything that you have done. Uh, <laughs> without you and your efforts... We couldn't do what we do, what what we get to do, what we are allowed to do. Yep. Every day, right here on AgriTalk. God well bless you. Well said. God bless you, and I will talk with you all again on Monday morning. Have a great weekend, everybody.